This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the state reports a dramatic decline in the number of new COVID cases and fatalities. But don't get too excited. Monday's numbers are always low because the reports slow down over the weekend. It takes a little while to catch up. The governor is asking state lawmakers to hold a special session after the November election to pass a bill cracking down on social justice protesters. But Democrats in the legislature say he should use that time to fix a broken unemployment system that hasn't worked since it was created almost a decade ago. We knew that it was inadequate then, and it is dismal now. And rather than focusing on fixing this very broken unemployment system, the governor wants to change the subject and to talk about a law that would criminalize peaceful protests. Speaking of unemployment, opponents of Amendment 2 on the ballot are using all sorts of hyperbole to describe the amendment that raises Florida's minimum wage. Among other things, they call it a job killer. Ballot Amendment 2 will be a lethal blow to an industry that is already on life support. This is a modern day Trojan horse. Amendment 2 is a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a trap door that too many workers and too many businesses will fall through. But Representative Anna Eskimani says it was the legislature that inspired Amendment 2. She says Republican leaders bend over backwards for business lobbyists while ignoring low-wage workers who are at the core of the labor force, especially in hospitality. These special interest groups, they've never budged on this issue whatsoever. The reason why this, this amendment even has to happen is because they've never allowed for there to be increases to the legislature. So flirting and circumvented the process, and I have no doubt it's going to pass. On the Sunrise interview, you'll hear her reply to the parade of horribles from the opponents of the minimum wage amendment. We'll also have your calendar of political events and check in with Florida man, the beer. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, September 29th. The Florida Department of Health reported just five new fatalities and 738 new cases of COVID-19 Monday, the lowest numbers since the second week of June. Now, this would be great news without context. A reminder here that Monday's totals have trended much lower because weekend data doesn't come in, and Tuesday's numbers tend to be higher as they catch up. For now, Florida's death toll stands at 14,207. The number of confirmed cases has reached 701,302. After campaigning last week in Jacksonville, Donald Trump is planning a return to Florida. The president scheduled to appear at 7 o'clock Friday night at Orlando Sanford International Airport, part of a strategy concentrating on voters in the I-4 corridor. Police in Fort Lauderdale say they confiscated 10 guns from the home of Trump's former re-election campaign manager. His wife told investigators he was suicidal, that he hits her, and that he chambered around in a handgun during an argument. 44-year-old Brad Parscal was Baker-acted and taken to Broward Health Medical Center after barricading himself inside. Police say he refused to leave and was ultimately tackled by SWAT officers when he emerged with a beer in his hand but without a shirt. He has not been charged with any crimes. Governor DeSantis wants to hold a special session of the legislature in November after the elections so lawmakers can pass a bill cracking down on social justice protesters. But Democrats in the Florida House say he should be tackling a real issue instead, like the state's failed unemployment compensation system. Representative Geraldine Thompson of Windermere was in the legislature when the current system was set up almost a decade ago. She says it was designed to fail. The motivation at that time was to present a distorted picture that there was very little or no unemployment in Florida. So they came up with a system that was so difficult uh, to navigate that people could not get online to register for unemployment. The other, other motivation was to help businesses who wanted to pay little or no taxes. So uh, businesses in Florida have the lowest 
unemployment tax rate uh, in the nation. And the other thing that it did was to reward a company that had been dismissed in three other states. Deloitte had been dismissed from three other, other states and they were rewarded by giving uh, a million, more than a $75 million contract here in the state of Florida. So this is what we, we're left with and this is what we're dealing with. It's been broken for a very long time and COVID has just uh, put the spotlight on the problem. While we didn't anticipate COVID in 2011, we had had to weather the storm of 9-11 when tourists did not come to Florida. We had oil spills off the coast of Florida and tourists did not come. We have hurricanes on a routine basis and businesses are shuttered. So we knew that it was inadequate then and it is dismal now. And rather than focusing on fixing this very broken unemployment system, the governor wants to change the subject and to talk about a law that would criminalize peaceful protests and would say that people cannot exercise their First Amendment right to get out and to raise their voices when the government is not listening. I uh, came through the civil rights movement, so I know about civil disobedience. And I know about marches and protests because the leaders were not listening then and they are not listening now. I have been donating my salary, my legislative salary to food banks because people are standing in long lines. They don't have enough money to buy food. They have food insecurity. I've heard from single parents who uh, are worried about feeding their children and clothing their children. And now we're told that everything is open. So you put people in a catch 22 to say that there's no reason you can't go back to work. And if you won't go back to work, then you won't get unemployment. So the governor has failed. Uh, his, his leadership is wanting uh, and he is following the Trump playbook. And we need real leadership here in the state of Florida. And rather than trying to change the subject, let's talk about how to fix it. Florida's unemployment system gives workers the lowest benefits in the country, and as a result, Florida businesses pay the lowest unemployment insurance rates in the nation. Representative Anna Escamani of Orlando says that is business as usual in the Florida legislature. And we have to remember that Florida has sold itself to the highest bidder for decades. And many corporations that had done the layoffs, they benefit from things like the high crime tax break. They benefit from separate reporting. They benefit from so many other loopholes here in the state of Florida. And it's about time we call them out for it. We're seeing more of this conversation in layman's terms because, because we realize that we're in the situation we are today because we allowed it to happen. And it's time that we invest in our families, invest in our small businesses, and if that, if that means closing separate reporting, have combined reporting, if that means ensuring that corporations are actually paying their fair share in taxation, I have no doubt they'll be pushed back. But I think the, the power of everyday people to hold elected officials accountable this November and into that first session post 2020 is going to be really important and really powerful. But none of us are naive to this. I mean, at this point, you know, each each one of us have spent at least two years in legislature. So we know how, how corporations have such a chokehold on the process. And I, I do think it's going to require pushing back against that and, and really grounding ourselves in the importance of, 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 of just reflecting basic national averages. And I think that's really key. We're not asking for much, right? National average, 26 weeks of unemployment, 
national average, at least $450 weekly benefit amount. These are not radical concepts. These are pretty basic asks for human dignity. And I, and I think it's gonna be really important that we make that clear. And, and hopefully the voters will, will demonstrate solidarity to these issues this November, which will then reflect what we're able to accomplish in the next session. And Representative Jennifer Webb says the governor certainly is not helping with his reopening of the state. She says his contradictory statements and reopening orders have left workers and business owners in a state of confusion about employment. The governor having an executive order that says one thing, enforcement that does another, and then his talking point saying a third totally unrelated thing really made them feel very jerked around and made it very hard for them to plan for how they were going to be responsible and facing this crisis head on. Even this last week when the governor reopened, uh, went through uh, phase three and reopened the state, I heard from small businesses all across my district saying, we weren't told we weren't ready for the influx of people. We were met with anger and hostility by customers because we were asking them to put on their masks because they didn't understand that the governor's order, um, even though he said, you can't be fine doesn't mean that you don't have to wear them. And in Pinellas County, you still have to wear masks when you go inside. But when he was offered the opportunity to provide clarity and and direction and competent leadership, he's been sowing division and contradicting himself and really making it much, much harder for our community to come together and to find its own pathway out of this crisis. But don't expect the governor to hop on board this reform campaign. Big business likes the unemployment system just the way it is. Underfunded, confusing, almost impossible to navigate. The more complicated it is, the less they have to pay. Opponents of the minimum wage amendment on the November ballot claim it will hurt the low-wage workers. It's supposed to be helping. Next up on Sunrise in Depth, you'll hear from the head of the Restaurant Lodging Association, the chairman of the Florida Republican Party, and the incoming speaker of the Florida House. That's followed by the Sunrise interview, where Representative Eskimani says they are the reason Amendment 2 is on the ballot. But first, a word from the sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. Amendment 2 would increase Florida's minimum wage gradually over a five-year period. It would rise to 10 bucks an hour next year and then go up $1 every year until 2026, when the minimum wage would reach $15 an hour. To Carol Dover at the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association, it's an existential threat to her industry. The price tag with the $15 minimum wage, hourly wage, is simply too expensive. COVID-19 has already destroyed about 336,000 direct hotel support jobs. It's also led to hundreds of thousands of job losses in billions of dollars in sales. If ballot amendment two passes, economists estimate an upwards of 181,000 jobs will be lost if we move to $15 an hour. Ballot Amendment 2 will be a lethal blow to an industry that is already on life support. 
The hospitality industry generates billions of dollars for the state treasury and is one of the largest drivers of the economy. So Dover has plenty of friends in the legislature, including Representative Chris Sprouls of Palm Harbor, who takes over as House Speaker in November. This amendment purports to be a floor for Florida for wages, but it's not a floor. It's a trap door. It's a trap door that too many workers and too many businesses will fall through. You can't lift people up in our state or in our country if you leave them behind. This amendment leaves Floridians, it leaves our workers behind. We want people that we meet every day to make as much as possible, to provide for themselves and their families. But the reality is this amendment is not compassionate. It's inhumane because it's gonna cost those individuals their jobs. It's gonna cost them the money that they were making. You know, this is a modern day Trojan horse. The advocates tell you that it's gonna be a gift for Florida workers, but the reality is it's gonna have a devastating impact on, on workers' jobs, on their livelihoods, and their ability to find pathways to prosperity. In this world that we're living in with COVID-19, where we had you know, government-mandated shutdowns as a, as, a, you know, as a way to curtail the, the spread of the virus, we don't, we're going to have restaurants, um, businesses throughout our community, many of whom will never reopen their doors. But for those that do, that restaurant that we like to go to on a Friday evening, or people like to meet with their friends in their favorite coffee shop, the reality is, is that this amendment, it will be bad for the workers. It will kill their jobs. It will hurt the amount of hours they can get. It will reduce their ultimate wages when it's all said and done, and it will close our businesses. State Senator and Florida GOP Chairman Joe Gruders of Sarasota is also lending his voice to this campaign against Amendment 2. So far, we've heard it described as lethal, inhumane, a Trojan horse, a trap door. Let's see if the senator can add to the parade of horribles. Ballot Amendment 2 is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And how do I know? Is because I am a CPA. I'm a practicing tax CPA. And I tell people all the time, I'm on the front lines of uh, local businesses, uh, not only employers, but employees. And I'm an employer myself. And it's a, uh, and I know that Ballot uh, Amendment 2 will destroy hundreds of, hundreds of small businesses across Florida and kill the jobs they provide for Florida families. Ballot 2 Amendment puts more than 2 million workers right here in Florida at risk. They could lose hours, they could lose benefits, they could lose their jobs entirely. What's worse than Florida's future with a ballot amendment too is that this scam has pulled, has been pulled and failed in other parts of our nation. This has already been passed and implemented in liberal cities across the United States, Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, Washington, DC, and we've seen it kill jobs, close business, businesses and expand the income gap. Their streets are covered in poverty, riots, crime, and unrest. Why would we bring their failed policies to the Sunshine State? When Dover, Sprouls, and Gruders were done, we called Representative Anna Eskimani of Orlando. She's a vocal supporter of Amendment 2 and says it's the best way to circumvent a legislature that is in the pocket of special interests, like the hospitality industry. Well, the first thing I'll say is that these spokespeople are incredibly biased, and they're not neutral players in this. I mean, of course, um, Carol Dover in particular, you know, her members are, are, are those that are speaking in opposition to this. Um, uh, this. Our speaker, alongside the RPOF chairman, obviously have received donations from organizations associated with the Florida, Health, Florida Hotel Lodging Association, if not um, them directly. So um, I think it's important for listeners to realize that these are, these are not uh, uh, research-based opinions. These are opinions that are, are designed to benefit um, those who want to maintain the status quo. And to that point, the status quo is just not good enough. $8.56 is not livable. That is our minimum wage, which means that you're making about $1,400 per month. 
for a full-time employee. So you cannot even afford a one-bedroom apartment, which is about $1,027 um, here in the state of Florida. Um, we also know, too, that um, this is this is a gradual increase. So these type of um, um, bombastic claims around, you know, destroying industries um, are, are just not, they're, it's, they're not accurate, especially when we know that what this amendment would do is that um, it would be a gradual increase, $10 per hour in 2021, and it would increase by a dollar uh, per hour each year until it's phased in in 2026. And, you know, honestly, I've, I've talked to some folks who have said, you know, it, it wouldn't naturally be at that point anyways. I'm not sure if that's true, but if, if it was or is, then, then more the better to make sure that it actually will happen because these special interest groups, they've never budged on this issue whatsoever. The reason why this, this amendment even has to happen is because they've never allowed for there to be increases to the legislature. So Floridians have circumvented the process and I'm no doubt it's going to pass um, this November. You definitely think the 60% is out there? I do. I mean, when you read this amendment, it, it is so personal for people. I mean, my mom worked minimum wage jobs. My dad worked minimum wage jobs. So many Floridians are essential workers who have been navigating this pandemic for us, making sure that we have groceries to feed our families, uh, um, de- delivering care as, as medical assistants. And, 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 and meanwhile, not having a lot of money to show for it. And so um, I do think that for um, the everyday Floridian going to the ballot box, and they're going to they're gonna relate to this question, and they're going to vote up on it. They also made the point that uh, this amendment would copy what's going on, what they call liberal elite cities run by Democrats that have seen so much trouble in the past few months. Wow, no, that's such a joke. This is this is a people issue. And the reality, too, is that the campaign to increase Florida's minimum wage, led by uh, fast food workers and 5 for 15, have been going on for years. This is not something that happened overnight. This uh, Now, I will say issues around the minimum wage are, are absolutely intersectional, and, and, and it will dramatically improve the lives of people of color. So if you care about equity and racial justice, if you care about women of color, then, uh, then, then you would support this amendment because it would change their lives. Your calendar of events begins at 9 with an online meeting of the Florida Defense Alliance. Trustees at the University of Florida receive a campus update from President Ken Fox at 10.30. The Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission begins a series of online workshops about rules regarding importation, breeding, and possession of invasive reptiles like pythons, tegus, and iguanas. The first workshop is at 1, the second is at 6. Trustees of Broward College meet online at 1. Trustees of Indian River State College meet at 3.30 in Vero Beach. The Department of Transportation will hold simultaneous events in Trenton and Winter Haven at 5.30 to talk about plans to build new toll roads. Trustees at the State College of Florida for Manatee, Sarasota meet at 5.30. And the first debate in the race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden will be held at Case Western Reserve University and Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. That's at 9 o'clock. Finally today, it's time to check in with Florida Man and his favorite beverage. Believe it or not, there is a Florida Man beer. It's a Double India Pale Ale from Cigar City Brewing in Tampa and is 8.5% alcohol. But I believe the best part of this beer is the description on their website. And I quote, The world needs heroes, and in our home state of Florida, only a very special hero will do. A hero with a shark tooth around his neck, a Grim Reaper tattoo on his arm, and a rap sheet longer than his mama's mustache. A hero who's forgotten more about amateur taxidermy and alligator wrestling than you'll ever know. 
What better way to pay tribute to our beloved Florida man than a big old double India pale ale brewed with a nearly criminal amount of hops and a moderate bitterness that just about matches Florida man's general disposition. This hopped-up whopper of a beer is big in character and guaranteed to sear itself into your memory, just like the world's worst superhero, Florida Man. Folks, that's not writing, that's art. And that's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.